Good morning, good morning, good morning. We welcome you here to the Roanoke-Salem Missionary Baptist Church located in beautiful Northampton County, specifically just outside the, the town of Garysburg. Our motto is the end of your search for a friendly church, and we try our very best to live up to that motto. First of all, happy Father's Day to everybody. We're so um, glad that we can have you here with us, and we're so glad to be able to uh, salute the fathers on this morning. So uh, wherever your father is, if you're in communication with him, please uh, send him a text or uh, give him a call or do something on social media, one of the platforms. And of course, if you can visit, visit. But even if you can't, I'm sure your father or grandfather or uncles and, and older brothers, anyone who's been a father figure in your life, uh, they will all be so glad and they will all be so grateful to hear from you on today. So we certainly do salute the fathers here at Roanoke Salem Missionary Baptist Church. I want to thank Miss April Allen, Mr. Derek Buffalo, um, Derek's daughter, Miss uh, Gabby, and April's daughter, my doll baby, Miss Jasmine, and also Deacon Woodrow Hardy for all being here in the sanctuary with me on this Sunday morning and uh, making sure that this broadcast is recorded and able to go out so that um, all of you can see it on today. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. We thank you, Father God, for yet another opportunity to preach and teach your word. Use me, Holy Spirit, to preach and teach with clarity and conviction that you get all the honor and the glory. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. This message today on this third Sunday in the month of June uh, is a continuation of the sermon series on the book of Daniel. So today, uh, this is the third of the four messages that, with the Lord's help, I intend to preach this month from the book of Daniel. Today's message will be from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, and I've preached from chapter 6 um, already, but I want to go back and visit uh, two particular scriptures in, the, in uh, chapter 6 on this morning. Daniel, chapter 6. Verses 6 and 10, Daniel chapter 6, verses, uh, I'm sorry, verses 10 and 11. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. And let me read these to you now from <clears throat> the King James Version. No, I'm not going to read from the King James. I'm going to read from the New International Version of the Bible on this morning. This is what it says, verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Amen. And the message for this morning is, I'm going to serve God even if it kills me. I'm going to serve God even if it kills me. This is the, um, as I said earlier, this is the third in this series 
about the prophet Daniel. We know when Daniel was a uh, young man, he and many of his countrymen were enslaved and taken out of uh, the nation of Judah, which is part of Israel. It's the southernmost part of Israel, but it was a nation by itself. King Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, a pagan king, an evil king, he came and he conquered Judah and he took Daniel and uh, three of his best friends and several of the, the young folks uh, from the nation of Judah and took them all back to Babylon. According to the uh, Zondervan Life Application Study Bible, Daniel was in Babylon somewhere between 60 and 70 years. So in other words, he spent a great part of his life uh, enslaved, as you will, in Babylon. Now, he wasn't a slave in the, in the traditional sense that we may think of slavery because he wasn't in chains and things of that nature. In fact, uh, because of his, his, uh, his aptitude and because of uh, his intellect, Daniel and his three friends were all given the opportunity to be trained and to learn the Babylonian culture and to uh, learn uh, their science and things that were important to uh, their culture. And then they were actually promoted to high levels within the kingdom uh, of Babylon because God had put favor on their lives. Um, Daniel, in fact, over the course of his time in Babylon, he held some of the highest positions of authority under four different kings uh, when he lived there. And none of those kings worshiped Jehovah God. Amen. This story uh, today, uh, the, the verses I read, verses 10 through 11, Daniel is still under the authority of King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who was the first king. I'm sorry, not Nebuchadnezzar. He was under the authority of King Darius, uh, who was the third king who came and uh, was the over the nation of Babylon. And Darius also was a um, Medo-Persian. So Daniel's still under this third king, Darius, at the time of this particular event. Now, I told you that um, according to the Zondervan Study Bible, there are four mega themes in the book of Daniel. Four mega themes in the book of Daniel. Uh, the first sermon that I preached on first Sunday was all of this is part of his plan. And, and that sermon was based on one of the mega themes that says that God is in control. The second sermon I preached just this past Sunday was stay focused on your purpose. That sermon was based on the mega theme purpose in life. Today's mega theme, today's sermon, I'm going to serve God no even if it kills me, is from the mega theme, perseverance. We're going to talk about perseverance today. Daniel had great adversity in his life, just, just like you and I sometimes have adversity uh, in our lives. But, but Daniel persevered while facing this great adversity. In other words, Daniel remained steadfast in serving Jehovah God. It was Daniel's faith in God that brought the adversity into his life. And sometimes our faith in God, sometimes our serving God is the very thing that will bring adversity into our lives. You, you, you think about the fact that for most of Daniel's life, he lived in a society that did not believe in his God. Amen. 
Think about us today as Christians here in these United States of America. Uh, we live in a society that is uh, becoming increasingly more hostile towards Christians. Now, I have to admit, it's not only just because people hate us because we're Christians, because the fact of the matter is, some of us as Christians, we're, we're not all loving and gracious and merciful uh, as we should be. Some of us, the way our actions uh, and, our, and our attitudes, we woefully misrepresent Jesus Christ. And so it's understandable to me that um, a lot of unsaved people don't like us. They even hate us. And they don't even want to know anything about God based upon how we roll, how we live. They don't want to know Jesus Christ because if we're supposed to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we're doing, some of us, we're doing a mighty poor job. Amen. Amen. But, but still, even when Christians are loving and gracious and merciful, as Jesus has commanded us to be, a lot of people are still offended. They're still offended by the message of Christianity. Here's the message of Christianity. Let me tell you what it is. This is it. The message of Christianity says, and I'm just, just kind of paraphrasing this and summarizing it in my own words, but the message of Christianity is that human beings were created by an all-wise, all-powerful, ever-present Jehovah God. God created us for his own pleasure and his own purpose. And so we have to remember that we are not free agents in this world. Some of us think we are, but we are not free agents. God has given us a set of rules to live by. I thought about a lot of other words I could have used, policies, guidelines, procedures. But the fact is, they, they really are rules because they're pretty much, they're pretty straightforward. And, and, and he means what he said and he said what he meant. God has given us a set of rules to live by. If we choose to obey God's rules, uh, then we're blessed. But if we choose to disobey his rules, we're living in sin. Now, that's the part of the message, the Christianity message that greatly offends most people. Most people don't want anybody to tell them that they can't live the way they choose to live. Most people don't want to hear uh, that you're living it, that, that someone says to you, your lifestyle is a sinful lifestyle according to God's word. Because people get offended and they say that, you know, we are judging them. But, but I, I'll, I'll get back to that a little bit later. According to God's word, the penalty for sin is death. Not only physical death, but then eternal punishment. But because God loved humanity so much, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth wrapped up in a human body, just like you and me. And Jesus came with one purpose in mind. That was to die for us. Jesus suffered the just punishment for every person's sin. When he went on that cross, the Bible says that the father made him become sin and he was punished for my sins, your sins, and for the sins of everyone who would ever accept him as their Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ died for our sins, but, but on the third day, glory to God, he got up from the grave. He, he was taken off the cross and put in a borrowed tomb, but on that third day morning, Jesus got up 
from that grave, just as he told everybody that he would. Now, Jesus is back in heaven, and he's with his father, and he sits on the right hand, and even now, he's an advocate for you and me. But, but he left you and I with a decision that we have to make, and here's the decision. We have to choose to either have faith in him, which saves us from our eternal punishment, or we can choose to reject him. The message of our current popular culture is, and contrast popular culture mes- message to the message of Christianity. The message of our current popular culture is everybody is free to say and do whatever we want because uh, living your truth is the only thing that matters. Nobody has the right to judge anybody. That's, that's what most people say, and most people embrace the message of the popular culture of our day. But, but now let me say this. Spiritually speaking, I agree that we, no one of us, not any one of us as a human being, can judge another human being. Now, I agree with that spiritually speaking. Amen. But I have to remind us that Jehovah God's word judges all of us, both saved and unsaved. And one day, all of us will be judged by Jesus Christ for what we have done while we lived on this side of eternity. Now, whether you believe that or not is your choice, but the fact of the matter is, it is what it is. Amen. So, so, so now that I feel like I have, have sufficiently laid the foundation for today's message, which is about perseverance, uh, I want us to look at Daniel and um, see what we can find in his life that can help us. Um, Daniel was determined that he was going to serve his God, even if it killed him. Um, I, I want us to understand that just prior to verses 10 and 11, if you go back to chapter 6 and begin from the beginning of it, we find out that some officers of King Darius, and, Dar- and Daniel was one of them, uh, they were jealous of Daniel because God's favor was on Daniel's life, and Daniel achieved in excellence everything he did that the king had assigned for him to do. So uh, the king had decided to make Daniel over all the other officers. And um, so they made up this, they, they came up with this scheme, this plan, because they knew the only place that they might find some fault in Daniel was in his faith. What a testimony that the only place somebody can find some fault in you is in your faith. But anyway, that's another sermon for another time. So they went to the king, these, these 119 officers, with Daniel it was 120, but these other 119, I told you this last week, they, they went to the king and, you know, they, they set up this trap for Daniel. King, don't, nobody should pray to anybody but you for 30 days, and if they pray to you, anybody but you for the next 30 days, then they ought to be thrown in the lion's den, and the king foolishly agreed. Well, when Daniel learned about this decree, because the king had made it a decree, when Daniel learned about it, he did not compromise. In fact, he persevered, and he went right on back up to his room. He kept going to his room uh, three times a day with his window open towards Jerusalem and praying to his God as he always did. And of course, the, these other 119, these other 119 officers, they knew that Daniel would do this, so the first time they saw him doing it, they had him caught in their trap. But Daniel was determined, even after he heard about that decree, he knew 
that it would mean him being thrown in a pit full of hungry lions, he was still determined to serve God, even if it killed him. Amen. Amen. Um, there, there, are, there are three areas um, based upon the book of Daniel, specifically this, this event about Daniel and the lion's den. There are three ways that I believe we should persevere as Christians. And I, and I want to uh, talk about now these three ways that I think that we as Christians today need to determine that we're going to persevere. Number one, we need to persevere in our praying. We need to persevere in our praying. I know life is busy for almost everybody. And for those of us in the body of Christ, we're no different than, than unsaved folks. We, we've got busy lives, but, but we must be steadfast in making time to pray. In Luke chapter 18, verse number one, Jesus told his disciples that men, and when he said men, he was just talking about people generally. So people should always pray and not be discouraged. Amen. Those were the words of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, this is from the New International Version. This is what uh, Paul wrote. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Amen. Daniel did not get anxious when he heard that he could possibly lose his life for praying to his God instead of praying to the king. He stayed steadfast. That's what, being, well, that's what persevering is. He was steadfast and he continued to pray to his God. Daniel is an example for the rest of us. We've got to be steadfast in praying to the Lord. It doesn't matter who likes it or who doesn't like it, who understands it, who doesn't understand it. Even in your own home, you may be saved and your husband or your wife or your sister or your brother or your child or your roommate or housemate or whoever it is may not be saved. And they might not understand the fact that prayer is a priority for you, but you make it a priority anyway, because you've got to have the, the mindset that I'm going to serve God even if it kills me. Number two, we should persevere in our integrity. Amen. As followers of Jesus Christ, we, we, we must make integrity one of our top priorities. Now, here's what God says about integrity. Being honest and forthright and, and, and having a, a, a clean life, if you will, in terms of our moral values. This, this is what God says about uh, us living with uh, integrity. First Peter chapter three, verse 16 says that Christians should keep a clear conscience so that the people who may slam us. And when I say slam, I mean slander us, talk badly about us. People who might slander us uh, for our Christian behavior will be ashamed. We've got to keep a clear conscience. You can't keep a clear conscience if you know you got some stuff in your in your mind that or in your life that that, that that's that's not uh, in keeping with who you're supposed to be. Now, let me be very clear about this. I'm not saying that uh, anybody among us uh, is going to be perfect because we cannot be. But but let me let me just move a little further with that and let me uh, share with you Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight verse twenty one. It says, uh, for we are taking pains. That means we're really laboring to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, 
but also in the eyes of man. Sisters and brothers in Christ, I I want you to hear my spiritual heart with what I'm about to say. Jesus Christ was the only morally perfect person that ever walked on this earth. Nobody before him, nobody since him. All of us have a sin nature, but I promise you by God's word, we can subdue it by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives within us. The Bible says, greater is he that's in me, that's in you, that's the Holy Spirit, than he that's in the world, talking about the devil. Uh, Daniel himself was an example of uh, of a perseverance in his integrity because it was his integrity that caught King Darius' attention. Matter of fact, it was the integrity of Daniel that caught the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar before him, of, of the first king that Daniel served under, and Belshazzar, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's son that Daniel also served under. Daniel's integrity caught their attention and, and, and they promoted him because they knew he was trustworthy. He was honest. He, he had a clean life, so to speak. But we can't be perfect. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. But we can overcome our sin nature by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've got to determine to walk in integrity and do whatever we may need to do to walk in integrity. It may mean there are some people in our lives that we're going to have to stop associating with. Maybe not completely, and some completely. Maybe some not so much anymore. Or maybe we don't associate with them in certain ways anymore. But then also, there are some some things in our lives, and my church family has heard me say this before, some things in our lives that we may have to give up. There's some things in my life that, that I've had to give up, and some things I may still have to give up. Uh, as time goes on. But if you want to persevere in integrity, you've got to be willing to do whatever you can do and with the power of God, the Holy Spirit, uh, to have a life uh, that is pleasing to the Most High God, a, a life of holiness, a life of being in right standing with God. We've got to be determined that I'm going to serve God. Amen. I'm going to serve God even if it kills me. The third and final thing, we have to have perseverance in our service to God. In, um, in the second sermon of this series, and I re- made reference to it uh, just a little bit earlier, the second sermon, which is stay focused, we have to stay focused on our purpose. I said one part of a Christian's overall divine purpose is that we have to serve God. And, and I say to all of us respectfully that our greatest service to God is outside of the church. Not within these four walls. Amen now. Our greatest service to God, where we can have the most impact for the kingdom of Christ, is outside the walls of our church. It's more likely that an unserved person uh, will will come to know the Lord because we show them the love of Christ and not just because we simply claim to be Christians. Listen to what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 46. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Why is that? Because God the father causes his reign to rise on on the, he causes his son 
to rise on the evil and the good. And he causes his reign to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And then Jesus went on and said, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you have? And of course, the answer was none, because he said even the tax collectors, you know, some of the most hated people of their day, they do that. They love the people that love them. Jesus was very clear. We have to serve him by how we engage with the very people who hate us, the very people who persecute us. They may even kill us. Amen now. But, but just like Daniel faced death for serving God, we have to understand, too, that sometimes serving God faithfully may require the ultimate sacrifice. I know nobody wants to hear that. I don't like to hear that myself. I don't even like to think about it. But it is a reality of being a Christian. You may have to literally give up your life for the cause of Christ. The question is, are we willing to persevere no matter who likes us or not? Are we willing to persevere no matter if we're successful by the world's definition of success or not? Are we willing to persevere uh, even if God doesn't reward us on this side of eternity or not? Everybody in the body of Christ, you need to think about these questions I've just asked because it is part of our daily living as a Christian. I'm ending this message this morning by encouraging us to have our minds made up like Daniel. I'm going to serve God even if it kills me. I'm going to show agape love to everybody. That's that unconditional love that I, I can forgive you even though you may have hurt me real bad. But I'm going to do it even if it kills me. I'm going to help people whenever I can, even if it kills me. I'm going to forgive people, even the worst people among us. I'm going to forgive them, even if it kills me. I'm going to be faithful to my Christian values, amen, even if it kills me. We, we could simply just shut our mouths and and go along to get along like most people do. But, but Jesus Christ spoke up for us. Amen. And he died to save our souls. He loved us that much. We owe it to Jesus to persevere, to remain steadfast uh, in our faith, uh, in our service, in our integrity, in our prayer life. We owe it to him to do that just like he persevered for you and me. Jesus Christ knew when he came here that he was going to die, uh, not only a horrible, painful death, but an embarrassing death. The Bible says that death on the cross was the most shameful death that someone in that day and in that part of the world, in their culture, that was the most shameful death. It was reserved only for the worst criminals among society. And Jesus knew he was going to die like that, but he was willing to do it because he was so determined that he was going to save you and save me. He, he was going to die for us, and he knew it was going to kill him. Amen. He was going to serve his father faithfully, knowing it was going to kill him. He, he was nailed to a cross church family with something that looked like this. I, I'm so glad. I thank April for making sure I had one of these. She gave it to me some months ago, because I, I don't want people to ever get it in their heads uh, there, there was this little thin nail like you might use around the house to put something up, to hang something on a wall. No, ma'am. No, sir. Jesus 
was nailed to the cross was something that looked like this, like one of these railroad uh, spikes that you find out there on a railroad track. That's what they nailed him to that cross with. He knew it was going to be painful, but he was determined to serve his father, even though it was going to kill him. Amen. And then he stayed on that cross and allowed somebody to come up and pierce him in his side with a spear, serving his father because he, even though he knew it was going to kill him, he let them take him off that cross after he gave up his life. He gave up his own spirit. He, nobody killed Jesus. Jesus gave up his own life on that cross. He let us put him in a borrowed tomb and stayed there the rest of that day we call Good Friday and stayed there Friday night and all day Saturday and then the Bible says, and Saturday night, but then the Bible says early on that Sunday morning, Jesus Christ got up with all power and trusted in his hands. His resurrection and his being granted that power was his reward from his father for being determined, for being steadfast and persevering. He was willing to serve his father, even though he already knew it was going to kill him. But he did it for you and me. He did it for all humanity. That's how much he loved us. I think about fathers today who've made the ultimate sacrifice for their children or for their husbands, for their wives, or grandfathers for their I think about those who served in service, but, but not only those who served in service, because a lot of people didn't serve in service, and their lives are just as honorable, and they've, and they've made great sacrifices that helped lots of other people, other Americans, even though they did not serve in a military uniform. I, I've kind of gotten sick of hearing so many so-called Christians trying to berate people, and, and they, use, they fly that out as the very first thing out their mouths, uh, oh, somebody in my family, I served in military. Thank you for your service. And I say that sincerely. But you also need to understand there are men and women who, not for any reason of their own, could not serve in service, and yet they still make great sacrifices that bless people, that bless our nation. So as Christians, we shouldn't even be hung up on that, but, you know, you do what you do. But I think about fathers today who, who sacrifice in so many ways, and, and they're determined to serve the Lord, particularly Christian fathers who are determined to serve the Lord. I, I want to thank you today, and I want to encourage you to keep on serving the Lord. God will reward you greatly. The reward on the other side is greater than the one that's here. But when you hear somebody tell you, I love you, thank you, I appreciate you, and you know maybe they give you a gift, maybe they don't, but they give you a hug or a kiss on the cheek or or just call you sometimes to say, I, I just want to hear your voice. That, that's part of the reward. And fathers understand that. Fathers, grandfathers, anybody who served in a father figure, in a role of a father, you understand what I'm saying. Just to have somebody tell you they appreciate whatever it is you've done, that, that's, that's, that's enough. So fathers, I salute you today again. And I say again to all of us in the body of Christ, we need to be like Daniel. We need to determine that we're going to serve God even if it kills us. Amen now. Amen. If you're unsaved this morning and you want Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you have been convicted of the Holy Spirit that you need to make some changes in your life and you know the first step is to confess your sins and be saved, please repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and that you rose again. I believe you are the son of the living God. I ask you now, Jesus, to be my personal Lord and Savior. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, according to the Bible, you're now saved. Your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future, and you are part of the body of Christ. Start out right now being determined that you're going to live for the Lord Jesus and not compromise your Christian values. Amen. I want to give the benediction on this Sunday morning. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest ruling about us henceforth and forevermore. Amen. Have a blessed Father's Day, and prayerfully, if the Lord allows, we'll see you on next Sunday.